Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN Political Director. This is the CNN Political Briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Monday, June 27th. You know, it's one thing when you know something's going to happen, it's another thing when it actually happens. And indeed, it has happened. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last week, the political shockwaves have coursed through the nation. Since that 5-4 decision came down from the Supreme Court on Friday, overturning 50 years of precedent, overturning the landmark abortion rights case Roe v. Wade, reaction and action has been swift at all levels of government from the White House to Congress to individual states. We'll break it all down in a bit. First, my colleague Dana Bash sat down exclusively with Vice President Kamala Harris for her first television interview since the court handed down that decision. Here's some of what the highest ranking ever elected woman in United States history had to say. The court actually took a constitutional right that has been recognized for half a century and took it from the women of America. That's shocking. We will do everything within our power as an administration through the executive branch to ensure that women have access to the medication they need, um, which has been, by the way, FDA approved, and that they will have freedom of travel and that that travel should be unrestricted. Vice President Harris also echoed a lot of the sentiments we heard from President Biden last Friday, that at the end of the day, there's only so much that they're able to do legislatively, administratively, given the numbers and how they are in Congress and given the ability for the administration to act without Congress, that what you really hear is an appeal to voters to make their voices heard at the ballot box if they want to have policies that reflect a majority of the people. We also heard from Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez this weekend, Democrat of New York, prominent voice of the sort of left-wing progressive portion of the Democratic Party, who calls into question the very legitimacy of this Supreme Court and actually is looking for a way to hold some of the members accountable for the answers they gave during their confirmation hearings that she believes were untruthful. It sends a blaring uh, signal to all future nominees Mm -hmm. that they can now lie to duly elected members of the United States Senate in order to secure Supreme Court confirmations and, and, and seats on the Supreme Court. I believe lying under oath is an impeachable offense. That was Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez on NBC on Sunday. Note that Vice President Kamala Harris, in her interview with Dana Bash today, she said she didn't believe those answers when she heard them from the nominees. And actually, her disbelief in those answers are part of the reason she voted against those nominations. For his part, former President Donald Trump was celebrating this ruling that came from the Supreme Court. And as he is all too eager to note, of course, he's responsible for creating this conservative supermajority on this current United States Supreme Court. And thanks to the courage found within the United States Supreme Court, this long divisive issue will be decided by the states and by the American people. That's the way it should have been many, many years ago, and that's the way it is now. So congratulations. As for the Republican Party, we are today the party of life, and we are the party of everyone. 
As for the potential political shakeup of this ruling, well, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, was on Fox News Sunday, and he doesn't see this changing the 2022 landscape. I I really do believe most Americans are be comfortable with elected officials making decisions about life. Let every state do it the way they would like. What's going to be on the ballot box is $5 gas. You can't walk down the street without being attacked. Crime is rampant. We have broken borders. But yeah, this is a a big day for the pro-life movement. Over the weekend, we saw activists on both sides of this issue out and about debating their positions. Some were, of course, protesting in anger and frustration. Others were out celebrating this 50-year quest finally achieved. Here's one anti-abortion rights protester from Washington, D.C. on Friday, courtesy WJLA. It is one important victory. It's not the end, but we are dancing on the grave of Roe versus Wade. And here is an abortion rights supporter in Atlanta on Friday. I'm angry. I'm fired up. The fight is not over. People did this fight 50 years ago. I guess it's our turn to take the fight up again. It's worth noting that the demonstrations, for the most part, have been largely peaceful. There have been a few arrests reported in California, New York, South Carolina, Arizona, and Washington, D.C. And just today alone, there are more than a dozen protests planned to denounce the Supreme Court's decision from Minnesota to California to Florida. As you probably know by now, 13 states had so-called trigger laws in place that would immediately set off abortion bans, or soon to immediately do so, once Roe v. Wade was overturned by the high court. At least 10 states have effectively banned abortions since Friday. Now, 16 states on the other side protect abortion access under their state law. And 22 state attorneys general issued a joint statement today saying they would work to expand abortion access in their states. Of course, this includes true blue states like California and New York, but also the AGs for some more competitive states like New Mexico, North Carolina, and Nevada. And of course, the big question remains, what next? What next in the states, but also what next in the federal government? Some House Republicans are even pushing for legislation for a national abortion ban after 15 weeks. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy expressed support for that idea on Friday. Governor Asa Hutchinson, a Republican of Arkansas who has been a longtime opponent of abortion rights and who celebrated this ruling from the Supreme Court, he was out over the weekend saying he believes the movement argued for 50 years to have this return to the states, and that is where this should play out and remain. He is not in favor for any national law now banning abortions everywhere. As for some of those progressive calls on the White House to do something now dramatic, like expanding the size of the Supreme Court, something President Biden has rejected, and again, the White House made clear this weekend, the president is not in favor of that, and also calling on the White House to work to end the filibuster in the Senate for this issue. Now, that is something you may recall Joe Biden told R. Anderson Cooper last fall that he might consider pushing for that when it came to voting rights. And in that conversation, in that town hall, Cooper pushed President Biden and said sort of just voting rights. And Biden said maybe more. 
It's unclear that the administration feels that now is the moment to start really pushing and calling for an end to the filibuster on this issue as well because they feel that the math is simply not there. They don't have enough votes in the Senate right now to end the filibuster because Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are opposed to doing so. So once again, the administration makes the plea to voters to change the math in the Senate and get more like-minded senators and representatives in Congress to achieve some of these goals. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.